You are listening to the GTT podcast from the Canadian Council of the Blind. Hi, folks. It's uh, my great pleasure to be here talking a bit about buying a, a new computer. I must say right up front that uh, there's many people on this list today that would know much more about computers than, than I know, but I'm uh, happy to have the opportunity to speak to you from my experience, my personal experience, and from my experience as being a tech trainer in seeing people buy systems that worked really well and systems that didn't work really well. So uh, <clears throat> I made some a few notes here to follow. To start off, we uh, we recognize there are some of us today have had computers for quite a few years and others have maybe are on our first computer or even thinking about getting a computer. So uh, with uh, recognition of us experienced users and, and ones that are not so experienced, we have the difference between a desktop computer and a laptop computer. They both can sit on the desk, but the laptop is more uh, compact and you can be held on your uh, can be held on your knee when you're working. So if we were to look at the uh, the computer from the inside out, um, like on the desktop, you'd recognize you'd have a what's called a tower. That's the box, and you'd have a monitor, and you'll have a keyboard that you can type on, and speakers and your, your little mouse thing. Although those of us that are um, totally blind or very, very low vision, having a mouse is, is not of much value to us. But on that tower uh, where you would turn your computer on <clears throat> and also on the laptop, there's some main components, uh, mainly the motherboard, and that is the mothership, like old Mother Hubbard in the, in the kitchen. So everything in the computer connects to that motherboard. So all of this information is leading somewhere that's going to help you make a decision in buying a new computer. So everything inside connects to that motherboard and on the outside for us as we're feeling around to the USB ports and where we plug in our, uh, our headphones, the power supply and whatnot. That's all part of the motherboard. That's the external part that we can feel. Then we have the CPU, the central processing unit. The central processing unit is like the mathematician of the computer. It's really the brains of the computer. And uh, when you're going to buy a new computer, you would hear the salespeople uh, talk about different processors, the, I, and the, uh, um, the AMD processor and, and the, uh, I forget the name, what's, uh, I have the name here. Uh, yeah, the CPU, the i the i five and i seven uh, central processing unit. And uh, the, uh, <clears throat> the speed of that unit or the power of that unit, it's like, uh, um, I see things in pretty basic terms. So 
um, a newly graduate mathematician versus a mathematician that's uh, been in the business for 10 or 20 years. So they're all smart, but some of them may come to a conclusion uh, a bit quicker. So the type of processor you have is, uh, is going to show up on how your computer works. Uh, then we have the hard drive, or on that, also on that motherboard going back, we have the RAM, uh, random access memory, which is on the, uh, on, the, on the motherboard. And then we have the hard drive, and there's two different types of hard drive. There's the, uh, the, um, the uh, solid state drive, and the hard disk drive. The hard disk drive, I've never uh, torn one apart, but I'm told by research and my understanding there's more moving parts in the, uh, on the, in the hard disk drive. The solid state drive, I don't understand how it works either, but I know from experience it works much faster. Uh, research tells me that the solid state drive lasts much longer than, than a hard disk drive. Both drives will slow down the speed of your computer as they become full. So when buying a computer, it's important to know like what size a hard drive is going to work best for me and in my situation. Going back to the RAM, so when when we uh, when we look at the the memory in a computer, you can hear terms like uh, four gigs of memory or eight gigs of memory or sixteen gigs of memory. Um, an elementary example of that would be if you had Microsoft Word open or any word processor and and you were writing a grocery order or you are writing down some notes, or if you're writing a story, <clears throat> whatever, and you hadn't yet saved that script that you're working on. That, that script that you're working on is now in the RAM, the random access memory. And if you save that document, that random access memory, that what that document in the random access memory is now put over onto your hard drive. So if you don't save, that, that document you have is in your random access memory. But if the power goes off on your computer and boots up again, that document that you were working on is now gone. It's disappeared. So if it was five words long or 5,000 words long, it's gone. So a little side tip, it's always good to save your work as, uh, as you go along. <clears throat> so the type of memory that we have in the computer when, when buying it, it's going to determine how fast um, it will process that information, how fast it will dump that information in your document on, onto the hard drive if you choose uh, to, to save it. So now we're getting to the place where we're ready to buy and what questions should I be a asking myself? Uh, we gave a bit of technical information there that could be foggy to, uh, you know, to a lot of us, but it's going to become important now. 
Number one, do I buy a laptop or do I buy a desktop? Number two, second question to ask yourselves, what demands am I going to have for my system? How many programs will I be running at a time? Will I be running Microsoft Word? Will I be running Microsoft Outlook? Will I be running Microsoft Excel? Will I have an internet browser open? And it's, it's not uncommon to have these four programs running at, at the same time. <clears throat> so if that's a likelihood for you, then your, your requirements for a computer are going to be different from somebody that's just opening up their computer and checking their email and turning it off again. Will I be using a screen reader? Am I low vision and I need a really large monitor that swivels? What kind of sound is important to me? So going back to uh, going back to the to the screen reader. So if we have Microsoft Word open, it's requiring some energy. If, it's, if we have Microsoft Outlook open, it's requiring some energy, some, some uh, RAM, random access memory. Uh, if we have uh, Google Chrome open and PowerPoint, all of these things are requiring more. So, and then you add to that a screen reader like JAWS, NVDA, or Narrator, they're requiring more information. So it's quite possible you could go to a store or you could have uh, a repair technician tell you, oh yeah, we have this uh, good used uh, system here, or we have this system on sale, it's brand new, never been used, and it has Windows 10. And you know, for your basic home use, it'll do all your programs extremely well. You've no need and it's on sale today for $3.99 or $5.99, whatever it might be. It just, it's an amazing low price, but you come to find out when you do some research that it has maybe four gigs of memory. It has a very slow processor and it has a very slow hard drive. So technically, yes, you can load Windows 10 on it. Yes, you can put Microsoft Outlook on it and it will open. But when you put JAWS or NVDA with it, that's when the screaming and the fighting and the scratching and all the goings on that happens. In other words, it slows down. And then you're frustrated and you end up calling Kim Kilpatrick or myself or Brian Bebo or many people you could call. I bought this new system and they told me it was great and it would do this and it would jump up and down and sing uh, Mary Had a Little Lamb and all kinds of stuff. But then those of us that use accessible technology, as we do a quick search, we find out, yes, you do have a new system and it's true what they told you, but what they didn't know is anything about screen readers. So some stores, will know a little bit about uh, screen readers and accessible technology. I believe it's not fair for us to expect them to know something about a device that they never use and they may have heard of. 
Some of them <clears throat> are a bit sharper and they may have read one article in a magazine or maybe a couple articles a year in a magazine and have been fascinated by JAWS or NVDA or Narrator and they feel they know something, but in comparison to what they learned from reading these couple articles and what we know as uh, people using screen readers, uh, with all due respect, they, they don't know enough to give us advice. So we need to do our homework and know uh, what are going to be, what are the demands on my system? What do I expect of it? What's a deal breaker for me? Are there any areas where I can compromise uh, before we go shopping? How many programs will I be running at a time? Will I be using a screen reader? Uh, do I need a large monitor? What kind of sound is important to me? If you're using um, a screen reader, then sound is very important to us. We don't need to have the best, uh, we don't need to have the best speakers, you know, for listening to classical music or your favorite music. Although if, if that's what you want and you can afford it, go for it. But in word processing, uh, navigating the internet, we do need a set of speakers that are clear and easy to understand. Uh, lots of times you'll probably be using headphones and that could be a, a topic for another time or maybe later on today if there's time. But we need to be able to hear the spoken word very clearly. And it doesn't really matter what the speaker looks like or how shiny they are on the outside do they produce good quality audio in my opinion? So it's your opinion, the buyer, uh, that matters. And uh, so in, in buying a system, like if it's a laptop, you can check that out in the store. Although it's not the, in one way, it's not the best place to check out the sound. And in another way, it could be the best. So if it's a noisy environment, like before COVID, if you went into Best Buy, it was just a, a noisy, noisy place. So if you tried out a laptop there and you could hear the speakers, you may not be able to tell the quality, but you'd, you'd know, you know, volume-wise, because I've seen some laptops where uh, the, the quality of the sound seemed to be okay, but no volume for some reason or another, even up full blast, like it just, it wasn't adequate. Uh, the sound. So check out that sound. So when you, when you're in the store, if it's a if it's a desktop, hopefully, depending on where you're buying it, if you're buying it from a computer shop where they buy the components and and build it, it it may not be easy to hear the quality of the speakers. But make sure when you're when you're buying it, you know if this doesn't work for me, I'm using a screen reader. If this doesn't work for me, I need to have the option to return it within. 30 days for an exchange or my money back. And that that's, has to be, it has to be that way. And the same thing with a laptop. But if you're buying from Staples, Best Buy, Canada Computers, places like that, then the odds are pretty good that there'll be a system set up there where you can, uh, where you can demo the speakers. And uh, certainly will be the case with the laptop. Uh, keyboard. So <clears throat> if it's a laptop, first of all, if it's a desktop, the keyboards aren't going to vary a whole lot. You'll, you'll have a number pad on it. And so I don't have much to say 
about that, but in a laptop, the keyboard for me is very important. How does the keyboard feel? For me personally, I, I do not care for a number pad on my keyboard. Now, if that's a preference for you, that's, that's wonderful. I've, it just doesn't work so well for me. But I have to feel those keys. I need to feel how they go down. What do they feel like when they go down? And uh, there's not going to be a whole lot of space, uh, you know, be, between the keys on the laptop. And the, the size of the key itself is generally going to be the same. But uh, I have found some of the Lenovo's, the, for me personally, the keys seem to be so flat across that it's not as easy for me to feel one key to another. The laptop I have now is an Asus ASUS. And uh, as I'm feeling them now, it's, it's almost like there's a little dimple, like an indent in the middle of the key itself. And for me, I like that. And for me, they're clearly defined from key to key. It's not easy for my finger to slide uh, from one key to the other and not know, not know that it's moved. So that's important uh, for me. And I, I would say it should be important for you too. How do those keys feel? How many external devices will I be plugging in at a time, like USB? How many USB ports do you need? Are you going to be using a, uh, an external keyboard that plugs in? And will you use a Bluetooth keyboard or just how many, how many external things possibly may I need? Now we come down to the final one and these are in order as well. And you would think this one here should be at the top, but it should be the last price. How much can I afford? What can I compromise on if necessary? So the price, um, you may be thinking, you know, well, I can pay $750. So you go looking for a computer, you know, within that range, without checking out these other things first, you may find a computer for $649.95 and you think, oh wow, this is my lucky day. But if you don't know what you're buying, it may be your unlucky day. So go through all of the, this list first, then go checking with your list, what is it gonna cost me to buy this system? And if it ends up being $850, Yahoo. But if it ends up being $1,249.95, what happened to me, then Oh, what am I going to do? I need a computer and my old one is, is dying. So this computer that I have now, I had half the money uh, saved to put towards it. And uh, I called my oldest sister one day and reminded her what a great fellow I was and how much she thought of her, her brother and, and uh, how necessary the, the laptop was for me anyway. She, she was generous. And, uh, lent me some money and I paid her back over time and I'm so glad that I did that. I don't like owing money but it it paid off. I've had this system now for three years and there's uh, Kim Kilpatrick also has a system like this one and Nolan Jenikoff and Albert Ruhl and maybe others. The ASUS ZenBook Pro 
Now these are all basically about three years old, so uh, that doesn't mean the ZenBook Pro today would be a great machine. It could be better, it could be worse. You just have to do your homework. How, what can I compromise on if necessary? So let's say your system is costing you $1,249 like mine did and, uh, and $1,100 is just all I can, I can't, I just can't go beyond $1,100. Well, you'll have to decide, you know, so my original system, maybe you're thinking, well, I had, I was looking for 32 gigs of memory, so maybe I could drop down to 16 gigs of memory. It would still work and, you know, is that going to cut some, some off? And uh, I really wanted that laptop case but I could do without the laptop case for a little bit and maybe, you know, so you have to look at the things where you can, where you can compromise a solid state drive. That's going to cost me $150 more than, than a hard disk drive. And the hard disk drive is good. So, you know, maybe you have to look at things like that. You know, where, where can I, where can I juggle to make it work? Where should I buy? Um, that's a, that's a lot of personal preference. Um, when I lived in Nova Scotia, I'm in Ottawa now, I live in Ottawa. I lived in Ontario now for 20 years. But in Nova Scotia, I found Canada computers excellent to deal with. And since I've been in uh, Ontario, I've dealt with Canada computers a few times. I've found them excellent to deal with. I've also purchased from Staples, I like them. I've had good success at Best Buy. Um, I don't remember buying any computer that, you know, where I could say I would never go back again. But what I look for is, do they service their product? And if, if they don't, if they send it out, where do they send it? Like if it's gonna be away, uh, you know, for two weeks or more to be repaired, then that's a deal breaker for me. The Canada computers I found good, or you may know somebody in your town or your city that uh, you know that just has their own private business and they build systems and you know they're they're a homegrown business. Uh, I, I certainly would entertain them as well, you know, because we always want to support our local economy and check around with other people. And and then again, uh, I'm using this with. A screen reader and it has to work and the best environment for me to check it in is my workplace or my home. I have to be able to return this within 30 days if it's not suitable. If you can't do that, don't buy there. Just don't, don't buy. Um, yeah, so I guess that's all I have. So if there's any questions, Kim, we could, uh, we could have a, a Q&A time, but all the notes and the presentation I have for now. Well, thank thank you very much, David. Um, the other, I think, the other thing that people might, especially people that are buying for the first time, the other thing you may want want to consider is, do you want to go with Mac or PC as well too? Because uh, buying Apple products, especially if you're already finished familiar with iOS, has its advantages as far as uh, sharing the same ecosystem. Um, but the disadvantage of buying a Mac is uh, 
from my is obviously the cost they are more expensive but the advantage is you you it comes bundled with your speed software and that was that was a worthwhile consideration back in the past before nvda but now with nvda and narrator getting better even that be, becomes uh almost uh almost like a, not the the primary consideration the other thing if you buy a mac is like i bought one the one i'm currently using is an imac um, partly because it, it had enough processor power and enough hard drive space so I could partition the drive and install Windows on it as well, too. So it does do, I, I do have a system that dual boots. Now that's going to become a little more problematic as Apple increases in, introduces their own chips again. Um, but currently, while the computers are still running Intel processors, that's that's a definite sort of uh, thing you, you may want to consider do you, do you want to do boot it with windows and and mac os and be familiar with both operating systems but that that was about it the the, other, the question i had is um um i don't i don't know if you covered this but uh did you talk about hard drive speed because obviously the faster hard drives are going to are going to load your programs quicker and uh and then did, what about onboard memory? Like, because because obviously more RAM is going to make things more efficient as well too. So, I, yeah. yeah. Thank, so, thank, thank you, Richard. Um, uh, I talked about that a little bit, but didn't go into detail. This was more the uh, uh, you know the things, uh, like just the basic information. But those are important considerations as well. And also, um, Richard, the iMac because I've seen them too. So it's a very thin computer with speakers on either side. So it's not even like the desktop tower, right? Is that, is no, that correct? It's, it, it's, an, it's basically an all-in-one system. So your monitor and central processing unit, motherboard are all in one thing, like the, the in the iMac. Uh, um, the Mac minis, for instance, are they're a separate box, but they're not even a tower. They're just like a little, they're no bigger than some of the old desktop hard drives that people used to use back in the day. So um, they're, um, yeah, so they're, it's a different footprint. Uh, and having said that, there's even some all-in-one PCs. I think HP makes an all-in-one PC. So there are some all-in-one PCs that have that same sort of uh, style as a Mac. So you, even with a, getting a desktop unit, you, you you could avoid having the extra tower on your desk. The disadvantage of the all-in-ones is if your video, like if you have trouble with your monitor, you basically have trouble with your computer. So are sending the whole, and you you have to replace your computer. That's that's the disadvantage. But uh, um, yeah. I've had I've had mine for two and a half years and had been really happy with it. Yeah, I was just gonna add to uh, the hard drive uh, scenario. Basically, you know, if you're getting a hard drive and you go with an SSD, the speed will be much better because it's totally chips. There's no moving parts to an SSD drive. It's all electronic. Whereas the older SATA hard drives are disks that are rotating inside, just like an old record player. So hence an SSD will take a better impact if you happen to drop it, uh, drop your laptop or whatever. Uh, it will take a better impact, but the uh, the SATA drives basically, it's like I said, it's it's like an old record player. It, it's a it's disc spinning inside. They run uh, hotter too, don't they? The, uh... Yes, yes, because they have more. They have moving parts in them, yeah. so 
you know, there's uh, there's more of a chance of corrupting a SATA drive than there is an electronic drive. Mm. And that's why it speeds it up because it doesn't have to, on the new SSDs, it doesn't have to search for the, uh, how should I say, uh, the section that you're looking for on, yeah. a, on a disk drive. And as far as memory, if you're running, you know, like, I mean, you can run eight, uh, eight gigs, but I suggest if you're using a screen reader, I always suggest 12 gigs. Uh, some people get 16 gigs. If you go any higher than that, you're wasting your money because you won't be using it. Not unless you got like 14 applications running at once. So is it because they're running, the screen reader's running in, in collaboration with other things that you need more RAM, is that why? Yeah, and I mean, for example, myself, I might have, I might be running Excel, Word, mail program running in the background, and then my screen reader. So that's, that. if you only got eight, eight gigs, then you're kind of taxing the system Whereas, uh, but I gotta say, Windows with Windows 10, they've really optimized the the memory usage. That never used to be the case in the past, but since Windows 10, uh, you can you know you can get away with eight, but if you run like six or seven application at once and your screen reader, you should go to 12. You you'll notice the difference. Yeah. Um, that's that's great, and and you're so knowledgeable about those uh, those things because working in that field a lot. Um, one thing David mentioned was when you go in the store, try out the system if you can for the keyboard. What I do now in the store is when I'm trying out speakers, I turn on Narrator because it's built into Windows 10. So if you're using Windows system, you turn on Narrator with um, control Windows Enter all together keys and hear how the screen reader sounds. If you're in the the Apple Store or some store trying a Mac, it's Command F5 to turn VoiceOver on and Command F5 to toggle it off. Same with Narrator. It really makes a difference because they'll put music on, but that doesn't really tell you how a screen reader sounds. So I always turn one on now when I look at a computer for sure. I think that's really important. Um. And my question is about uh, partitioning because I work in a Mac environment, but there is a couple of software programs that will require me to go to Windows 10. And I was going to put Windows 10 on my Mac and I was going to use Parallels uh, to partition it. Now, is that the best way to do that? Because I'll I, end up having to put JAWS on, which will require me to have Windows 10. So I hear I use, Parallels is not accessible, but maybe Richard Marion knows for sure. Yeah, that's what I, I'm sort of following so, up on what Richard had said, because that's the question. Is there a different way to then um, uh, separate the Mac from, uh, or the, uh, uh, the, operating, the two operating system other than Parallels? 
Did you want Richard, me to answer, Kim? It's Richard. Yeah, go go ahead, go ahead. Please. So Heather, I use Bootcamp. So, but Bootcamp is like you have to physically partition your hard drive. So, um, you 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 run the you run Bootcamp, partition your drive, and then install Windows on the. But the problem with Bootcamp is when you're switching, you do have to shut down one operating system, restart the other one, and you've got to hold down the Option key. Uh, during that process and then you do to get to a point where there's no speech and because you're between the operating system there is no speech so you kind of have to if you've got two drive like if you you obviously have two partitions then you you you, you just got to remove that you just got to move the uh, the arrow to the uh, drive that for windows the other option that that is accessible is vm fusion so, and VM Fusion does have a trial version that you could try out for 30 days, I believe, to see how you like it, and then you can purchase it. And, and, and VM Fusion will do the partition in two ways. It'll, it'll just basically create a, a uh, file on your Mac computer that Windows runs within, or you can partition your drive, like do a physical partition, and VM Fusion will access the actual physical partition where Windows resides as well. The advantage of running it within Mac OS is then you, you can actually physically move things from the Windows side into your Mac side. Like if you work on a document and you want to, and you want to move it to something on the Windows side, you can actually do it. It's, it's possible. Uh, the disadvantage is sometimes JAWS or NVDA may lose focus and, and you'll have, and you may lose both speech programs. So um, that was why I use bootcamp because it just, for me, it was a more stable environment to do my windows and I, and I keep my Mac and windows stuff uh, a little more separate than, than, uh, than VM fusion would permit as well. Okay. Thank yeah. You. And bootcamp is on there, Heather already. I used it too. I didn't know how to partition my drive, what to allocate when I did it. Uh, so I got some help with that because I didn't know, you know, I wasn't sure how to do that. Um, and it was pretty accessible. Bootcamp itself was pretty accessible. And when you exited, when you shut down your computer, you could shut it down, ask it to restart either in Windows or Mac. So that would be what I would do. Sometimes I would shut it down. It would say, do you want to start in Windows or start on Mac side? And then you choose that for the next time you start. Um, but I did find the Mac, like Apple hardware is very good. So I actually found it running Windows was good, but the keys were reversed um, on the row, the control uh, Windows key. Are they reversed on yours, Richard? Like, uh, do you know what I mean? It's not the standard layout that they tell you it is. Yeah, so in the on the keyboard, you're your it's your windows and alt keys that are reversed so like the control key is thankfully in the same place and uh, but the windows and alt keys are reversed so you're uh we're so used to thinking of the alt key being right next to the space bar when you're running in windows all of a sudden that turns into your windows key when you're running running it under boot camp and i think that's just that's the case with any even if you're using vm fusion as well too it, it they, they get reversed you have to remap the keyboard if you want to switch it to a windows layout Actually, I do have a question. Well, it's something I read and I want uh, maybe Richard knows more about it than I do. Apparently with the new ARM processor that they're going to be launching on the Macs, uh, you won't be able to use uh, VMware or uh, Bootcamp or any of those. So I'm just wondering if he heard the same thing as I have. 
Yeah, so basically the the Apple silica chip that they're they're calling it, I guess it's just similar to ARM, is basically not going to be able to run Windows in any in any form. So it's it's it, the the only thing that those computers, when they start introducing them late late this year, early next year, they're going to be able to run as Mac OS or Linux. Yeah, that's that's what I heard too because I'm I'm in the market. Well, I might be buying a, and I was thinking of going to a Mac, but. <laughs> That's that's a deal breaker for me. <laughs> yeah, they 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 did an, uh, when they did the announcement. They they're like at the at the uh, uh, WDC uh, conference. They they did indicate that they are still going to in during the transition period. We'll still introduce some newer uh, new models of Intel based Macs as well too. So it's it even so even if you buy a Mac uh, a newer Mac later this year or whatever. It it's it's probably still it, it'll it'll work for f quite a few years, like probably to the life expectancy of the computer. But it's uh, but anything you just have to be careful starting next year that if you're buying something, you make sure if you if you want to buy a Mac that you buy an Intel based Mac because it'll have two versions of it at that point. Yeah, yeah. I was I was looking. Well, I mean, the reason I was looking Mac is because of the ARM processor. It's it's a ten core processor, and apparently it's going to be like ten times faster than what we're running now. So that's the reason I was looking at it. But the deal breaker is no Windows. The other thing, though, about Mac is it used to be that the Microsoft products were totally not accessible on the Mac. But I have heard that they have improved a lot. I don't know if Heather or Richard are using those on the Mac and if you want to comment on that. Um, I I do use Office for Mac, but I do find it less accessible than the Windows version of Office. So if I, okay. if, if I, if I am doing something in Microsoft Word, I will switch to Windows and work on it there. And, uh, and, and uh, since I have Office 365, I have, I have one, uh, the one, one drive anyhow. So then I can, then the documents available on both sides of my computer, if I need to do work, uh, like if I want to switch over to the other, but yeah, I find Office, it is it is more definitely more accessible than it probably than it was before, but it's uh, I definitely find Windows the Windows version to be more a little more accessible still. And the other thing I think as blind people, so my first Mac was a Mac Mini, so it was a little box, and I liked that because I could choose what to plug into it. So I didn't even have a monitor plugged into it; just had a keyboard uh, connected to it and good speakers. So for a blind person, and it's so small, and they have a newer Mac Mini, so they're, they've gotten more powerful than they were. And um, I could just plug in everything. And uh, my friend came over to use a computer, and she said, can I use your computer? I said, yes. And she came down and said, where's your monitor? I said, oh, I don't know. It's, oh, it's in a box. <laughs> where's your mouse? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Got to use my computer, and she couldn't use my computer, but... It is something to keep in mind, um, and Macs are very good hardware, but uh, yeah. So, I was just going to add uh, regarding what uh, David spoke about uh, processors, uh, you know, like you do have other options other than the i series, which stands for Intel. Um, just remember, if you are going with uh, an i, i5 or i7, if you go with the i7, on the laptop, your battery uh, will have left less of a span time than the i5, and 
but you get extra power. Yeah. And you, AMD now has come a long way. They used to be the one to stay, well, Celeron, AMD. You had to stay away from those because they were garbage. AMD has come along a long way. So it's really comparable to the Intel processor now. Um, I do have a desktop that's running in AMD and it's pretty well as good as my i5 laptop. So that's, that's buyer's choice. Uh, AMD is cheaper than the i series. Okay, that's good to know. So something you might compromise on depending on what you need. Um, also, feel free to call us and, and ask us to run through the things with you if you are buying. And I know it's hard in some of these big box stores and people don't know. If you go in with a list, here's what I need to have. Here's what I want. Hi. Um, just thought I'd add one of the strategies. Maybe that's not the right word. But one of the things I try to keep in mind when I am getting a new uh, PC, and that is to plan for the future. Uh, I know I won't be bu buying another computer for uh, probably another five years, uh, perhaps. So I want to make sure that I'm going to be up to date, uh, and for now, perhaps ahead of that, uh, if if you know what I'm saying, uh, so that uh, when it comes time uh, to get uh, a new one, I'm still working on a pretty functional machine, even though it's five years later. Um, the other thing I always try, when David talked about the keyboard, it is really important to me to feel the keys. But I also find it very important to me to have the arrow keys nicely separated from the rest of the keyboard. So the MacBooks do this nicely, and also the laptop I have, which kind of feels like a MacBook. Um, it has the arrow keys really clearly separate from the other part of the keyboard. Some of them have them smushed in and it's harder sometimes to find them, I feel, in some of these keys. So you just want to check out, can you type on it, but can you also easily find your keys? I know you can mark them, but uh, that's something really important to well, me. Some of the uh, laptops now, like the, the up and down arrow is just the size of one key, but it's split in two. So the upper half of it is the up arrow on the lower half is the down arrow, but it, uh, like, like you said, Kim, it's not as easy to find. And the trackpad, make sure you can turn that off or whatever you call that thing on the bottom of a laptop. Um, because if you bump it, you know, it starts doing all kinds of silly things. The Mac has a very good system within VoiceOver to turn that off and on, but Windows machines, you have to figure out how that works. So definitely that's something to to think about too when you're, and if you are, if we ever get over COVID and we're traveling, um, are you going to be carrying it with you? In which case, how heavy do you want it to be? How big, how bulky? Uh, you know, those things, I always think of them uh, in terms of, am I going to carry it? And if so, you know, how much space does it take up and how much weight is it? Because that can be pretty important. Um, I don't know if any of the people on the call with low vision have any tips for people with low vision about 
shopping for computers and looking at the, the visuals. I don't know if you do, you can put your hand up. Do you enjoy looking for computers? Because some people love it and some people don't love it. I do. I, uh, I enjoy going with other people looking for computers. The day <laughs> you and I went, I certainly enjoyed that. Uh, just to let the group know, Kim has a fascination for keyboards. I don't know. How many do you have? Do you ever count them? Well, I don't have that many. I know going through my business years and my mom wanted me to have a laptop at work and to always to get the bigger screen, you're, you're always ending up with a bigger keyboard and slash area to because when it closes, right? And it made for a very heavy lab, laptop because to go one of the bigger screens and, and that, and because no matter how big the screen is, I always leaned over the keyboard to get as close to the screen. So I really actually was not a big in favor of a laptop. So when a couple of years ago here went for the business that we needed to go forward and she says, we need to get you something online. And the introduction of the surfaces where by golly, you can pick up and bring up the laptop right up to your face and, I mean, laptop, a surface instead of a laptop where you're leaning over a keyboard was, oh my God, what a difference. Yeah. And that, that's what I just wanted to bring up as someone that had low vision. I always felt like I got back aches leaning over the keyboard trying to yeah. get into the screen because the screen was bigger and the keyboard was so much bigger. Yeah. <laughs> so, you're exactly right, Lisa. A lot of people with low vision don't actually get laptops for that reason. I know a few people that can't have them because they can't get close enough. The screen is small. You know, they would have to connect it to a monitor. So in which case they usually would get a desktop. But you're right. The Surface tablets, the Microsoft Surface tablets mean that you can actually pick the tablet up like an iPad. And so you can... Um, you can put it close to your face and you can do that. And you can probably run a, a laptop through a CCTV. Did you, anybody know? Does anybody know Is that? I don't know that. Yes, you can, you can run the laptop through this CCTV. Oh, okay. I did, well, when I still had enough sight uh, but needed magnification, I had my laptop hooked up to the CCTV. So with the magnification, the zoom, and all that stuff work on the CCTV just the same? Yeah, yeah. It's an HDMI connector on the back of the CCTV. Yeah. May I add something to that, please? It's Jim. Yeah, go ahead, Jim. I remember a time when there was a package you could get. I don't know from which manufacturer, but it was half computer, half CCTV, in that your screen would be divided and your uh, whatever you were doing on your PC would be on one side and whatever you're looking at on the uh, CCTV would be on the other side. No, I didn't know that. Oh. I remember it would have been, was probably back in the DOS days. So we're talking the 90s. Uh, probably the 90s, maybe into the 2000s. I don't know if there is such a uh, a unit now. Uh, it could very well be. Or more likely, if you need to see what's on your, if you need, maybe there's a software package that'll allow you to copy stuff from one 
and take it over to the other. Wouldn't that be nice? Mm -hmm. What you see on your CCTV, you can copy, then paste it into a document. Yeah, yeah I don't the, know. The one I had, I got it in 2010, and well, I gave it away in 2015. And then I'm, it's, I can't remember the name of it. It was humanware, but anything that I put uh, to magnify on the CCTV, I could actually bring it in to, as a file to the computer. There you go. Uh, okay. But not the way you're saying it. It was slightly different, but uh, it could still do that. Like you could save it as, uh, I, can't, I forget even the file format. It wasn't PDF, but it wasn't Word neither. I can't remember. Was it open book related? Oh, yeah, that's it. Yes. And yeah, it had a. Yes, you can save files. And yeah. Yeah. Right. And I had forgotten all about that, but that's different from what I was. Yeah, no, actually, I know yeah. it was different. Yeah, but it's it was good unit. I gave it away while well, in 2015. I couldn't use it anymore. I had lost too much sight, so I gave it away to uh, a person here, and she's still using it. And it's 10 years old. <laughs> mm. um, I'd like to bring up something that Richard reminded me of uh, when he was first talking about computers. Uh, Richard, I heard you say uh, HP all-in-ones uh, computers. And I hadn't heard that term in a very long time. I thought they no longer made all-in-one units with the monitor and the CPU, etc., all built in. Uh, but I had one of the first HP units that was used as a, uh, I think it was uh, introduced as the first uh, talking computer for uh, people who were blind or visually impaired. Uh, Richard, you seem to know a lot about the different manufacturers and so on. Do you remember the HP 125 or have you read about it? I don't. It's Richard. I don't remember that particular one, but the one, the ones I was talking about that I've seen, I've seen at Best Buy, like on their online, on their website, and what it, are newer ones that have touch screens so, as well too. So that's kind oh, yeah. of the. Uh, okay. um, but they're. I don't even know what if there's. There's not that many of them. I don't know how popular they are in the PC side mm. world or not. Mm. Like if they're because mm. like because I I always think if people are going to go for a touch screen, they're probably going to go for something that with a smaller footprint, like a like the Surface tablets or yes. other other tablets sure. anyhow yeah anyway, that was back in very early 1984 i w certainly wasn't the first person ever to have one but i was the first person in my office it was quite neat to have i'll tell you anyway so, that, that so was one of the all I other things that um some people care about is sd card slot on your computer um some people that have braille displays that take SD card slots to read DRF, they might want to have, make sure it has an SD card slot. You can also get an SD card reader, but uh, it is something to think about. And um, someone was also mentioning is where the ports are. Can you reach them easily to plug in a USB stick or an SD card? Where are they in relation to your hands? Uh, or to your leaning over, can you feel them? Sometimes they're way in the back and it's kind of hard to find them. Uh, that can be a concern for people. I'm curious, I know some people on this call have gotten computers already set up from the old Frontier or 
other places, if anyone wants to mention why they maybe did that or why they maybe got their own computer um, technician to do it or, you know, has anyone else had a different kind of experience that was really good? Um, you know, there's a couple people on this call with some hearing loss as well. Is there anything they need to take into consideration when they're using the computer with hearing aids, etc.? We were looking for hands. I have a technical question. My computer uh, used to be connected with uh, my TV set via special cord. And now, uh, last week, uh, there was, I had a new hard drive and a new Windows 10 installed. And now I don't have that, con that connection anymore. The TV screen says there is no signal. What should I do to install this connection? Yeah, Petro, uh, go into your settings on your PC. Okay. And go system, display, and make sure it's connected and you have the thing that says no signal. And in setting under display, uh, go and select. Uh, there should be a selection for your TV screen. Oh, okay, thank you so much. Yeah, it'll, it'll be it'll default to your right now to whatever you have for your display, I guess. Is it a laptop or desktop? Desktop. Okay, so it'll have your monitor in there, but it should it should it should recognize the uh, the TV as a second display. Okay, thank you so much. Brian, Brian, excuse me. How do you get into those settings, Brian? Excuse me. Just type settings in your search box in Windows 10 and or display settings even. I think you can get there quickly. I'm not sure if display setting would work. Um, it might, yeah. But uh, yeah, I just type in, I start typing settings in uh, the search box and by the time I get to the E or the T, it says settings. <laughs> so. Yeah. And yeah. there is a shortcut key. I think it's uh, uh, Windows. Uh, is it Windows I or Windows E? I don't know. I just I use my search box all the time. I don't. No, Windows E is Windows Explorer, so it must be Windows I. Windows, Windows I. I. Windows oh, there I. There we go. I couldn't remember which one was which. One is Explorer Windows and the I. other one is Set. Windows. I. I. Uh when nobody was putting their hand up. I wanted to get something in in case I forgot it. I'm, I really would, I'm interested in the smartwatch and I don't know a thing about it. I, I have low vision, but I have uh, hearing aids. So would a smartwatch help me? Meeting alert. Would I benefit anything from it or I could just delete that from my thoughts and forget about it? Interesting question. Uh, does anyone know if the, say, the Apple Watch connects to hearing aids? We could look that up for you, Joe. I'm not. Sh I don't know myself, but um, yeah, like even if it was, if we had a program later on that somebody would no be knowledgeable about it, maybe I could learn something before. I don't want to end up being shocked in to buy one, and it's no good to me.
Thank you for listening to the GTT podcast from the Canadian Council of the Blind. There are many ways to get in touch with us. You can call us toll-free at 1-877-304-0968. You can follow our GTT blog at gttprogram.blog. If you'd like to subscribe to our email support list, you can send a blank email to gttsupport plus sign subscribe at groups.io. And you can follow the Canadian Council of the Blind on the web at ccbnational.net. 